Greetings, readers. This is the Recap Book Chat. We are thrilled that you're with us because reading illuminates your life like a star. As J.R.R. Tolkien said, little by little, one travels far. And welcome to the Recap Book Chat. We are so glad that you have joined us today. Um, I, this is probably my favorite book that we've read this year by far. It's an amazing read, life-changing. I completely recommend it. I loved everything about it. It's called Unoffendable by Brant Hansen. How just one change can make all of life better. I mean, wow. I gave this puppy five stars. I would give it more if I could. Our, our stars, yeah, I, I think we forgot to mention that, that when we rank them, it's one to five. Uh, because my husband um, asked me one time, well, is that between, <laughs> is that out of 10? And I'm like, oh, no, it's out of. So we rank based on one out of, uh, one being bad, five being amazing. So it got five stars for me. What about you? Yes, five stars. Definitely. So who told you about this book? How'd you find uh, out about it? Jana Knowlton, my principal, and we are actually doing this as a book club at uh, the teachers do it at school. And I just thought you might like it. So for your birthday, that's why you got a copy. <laughs> well, thank you because I loved it. I just, I think this is a must read across the board for everybody. It's, it's a game changer. It's a life changer. I loved it. So I definitely think. I think Caroline Leaf would really like Brant Hansen. I'd like to see them in a room. <laughs> oh, yes, for sure. And I loved his style. He's so funny. He's, but I mean, he's so, he's real. very open. He's very real and authentic, but he's so funny. Um, and I wouldn't know, he didn't mention this in the book, but I sent you that video because I wanted to see him speaking and I like Googled him. And found a video of him speaking. I think he's done a TED Talk before, too. But this was this was from a church service. And he mentioned that he has Asperger's. Actually, and, that is in the book. But it's in the back of the book where you were probably reading really fast. Okay. It's, <laughs> on, page, yeah, it's on page 146. Okay. But, he does mention it then. Okay. Yeah. My Asperger's syndrome has something to do with that. Because he says, when he's telling the I'm story about his neighbor... He said he's kind of oblivious to what's going on, but I like how he describes himself. He said, my wife is super nice by nature. People gravitate to her. I scare people off because I look too intense all the time. I'm a brooder, which uh, sounds cooler than it is. <laughs> Many people think I'm deep in thought. What they suspect I'm thinking about, what kind of practical validity is there in Kant's categorical imperative? What I'm actually thinking about is what kind of bird is Gonzo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, he's just, he's, he is really, op- I, there's a lot of times he made me laugh out loud. Yeah. But and then he tells some really profound and sad stories, but he always brings it back, and it's just it's so well written. I mean, it's he did a, a beautiful job of writing this. It it was it was a joy to read. So it was, um, and, and I'm reading with my book club of the ladies from church. We're reading 
uh, the screw tape letters and it really overlapped because at the end he ends on humility over and over again. And of course, and he even quotes C.S. Lewis from Mere Multiple times. Yeah. So, I mean, there was one time there he's saying uh, all this and I'm like, man, it's like I couldn't have paired two better books to read at the same time because they really go great together. But it and we had talked in our last book club about, you know, focusing when you're praying and focusing. And then he talks about how he's in the middle of singing Amazing Grace, Squirrel. Oh, Seahawks game today. Uh, then back to Amazing Grace. And then yeah. you know, he makes it really real, you know. Yes. So. I think, so what, was, what would you say would be your biggest takeaway? Well, I. And there's so many. I know it's hard. Yeah. So it, maybe multiple ones. What's some of your big takeaways? Well, one of them I wrote on here that um, it's really, you know how people talk, says, well, that's, uh, they say that that's out of my comfort zone. And I'm thinking, you know, he's talking about when he's comforting this person and the guy says, um, he asked him, and this man, to, to give you the backstory, the man had a wife that was pregnant. And they had a little boy and they were in a car accident and the man got out and couldn't bust the window to get his, it was out of water that was in Florida and the pregnant wife died, but they managed CPR people brought the son back, but he really thinks he should go talk to him. But he said, that's not my comfort zone. He said, that is unbrant. <laughs> and, but he goes, he rings the doorbell and ends up uh, just going back and back and back for like two years. He goes, uh, I kind of thought it was probably weekly and let's this man grieve to him. And he says in one, he quotes in Isaiah 53, it makes sense that the people who follow the man of sorrows, a man who was acquainted with grief are also acquainted with grief. And he says in there, it makes sense that you're a Christian, this guy. And Brant said, really all I had to do was ring the doorbell. Well, that kind of tied in with this year because of the, uh, jail ministry, that's out of my comfort zone. That is not where what I, I would never have thought I would be doing. Would I like to do something? Yeah, I want to do something, but I'm just thinking, oh, that's not something I could ever do. But then God God made it happen. Put and, the right people in yeah. front of you. And it happened and tell your exciting news of the week. Well, that, that two of the, like we're studying with like eight people off and on, you know, but two were baptized just yesterday, which, you know, I'm just like, we read Acts and this is, I mean, it was pretty profound. And I was just thinking, this is all God working this out. And, um, you know, I was just like him when he said, maybe, maybe I'm growing up. (laughs) Maybe I'm growing up and it's not about me anymore. It's not about me being in my comfort zone. It's about me getting out of it. Mm. And that was probably profound to me just because of what all happened. What about you? Oh, man. Like, there's so much. Um, I think some big, big aha things or things that I'm like, wow, I've never thought about that was um, that. uh, So about the anger, because it's about being unoffendable, unoffendable, right? And so Mm -hmm. that anger, he says in there, anger offers us a sense of moral superiority. And I was like, huh, I never thought about that, but it kind of does. Cause, and then and he, he talks about how we don't like things that make us angry, but we like being angry, the right to be angry. And it's like, oh, you know, even something, maybe you are really justified in your anger. 
but and we hold on to that and just that he says that too anger is extraordinarily easy and love is very difficult and mm-hmm. just the whole um and, and the whole concept that about um he says this too in uh, uh so we have a choice be offended by jesus himself or embrace the breathtaking unfairness of the kingdom and so I, he put those two things together you know it's like okay well you technically have this right to be angry um of something that may be unfair happened to you um but the kingdom of god is unfair and he ta- and i was like i've never thought of it that way but you have to give up your right to be offended to be angry mm-hmm. like that's part of the kingdom that's the opposite of the world that's what jesus did he he gave up his right to be offended and angry and so it was just like uh, that was just a huge um aha thing that i've just i've never thought about that before about and, and I, really, I wanted to teach my kids that you know about like like because in our head it's like we oh that's not fair that's mm-hmm. not fair we take real a, a lot of offense to something that's not fair and stuff like that so i'm like really we should be teaching the opposite to be like hey it's not it's it let you let my kids know it's gonna be unfair and really if you're walking out the kingdom it should be unfair mm-hmm. like it should be noticeable and that's what people see it's like okay and that and it, he t- he gives so many stories about um people forgiving people for things horrible things that had happened to them or had been done to them and people forgiving and 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 how that transformed people's lives because they were that's love and anyway so that well and i put a quote away. i put a quote in here um from he used james 120 the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of god mm-hmm. and a lot of people say well it's righteous anger well he said are you god if yes. you're God, you can get angry, but are you God? And boy, you're thinking, oh, no, uh, God's allowed to be angry, but really we're not. Because and we're not perfect. No. We and, can't do it perfectly. <laughs> and in another place, he says, I think it's Ecclesiastes 7, 9, it says, uh, anger lives in the lap of a fool. Mm. Yeah. So, but he says it's as natural as breathing but that doesn't make it right to think that someone else is at fault or something else. That's as natural as breathing. I like what he said, Mm -hmm. just because something comes natural of you, natural to you doesn't make it right. Yes. And then just to be funny, I mean, he, and there's a lot of humor in here too. I mean, this book could make you laugh and cry at the same time, but he's, I love the part where he said, I just can't believe dot, dot, dot. And he's just like, I just can't believe that woman did that. And then his wife said, wait a minute, she's been lying to us for 20 years. (laughs) Why can we not believe that? But he said, then I got to thinking about how many times a day do I hear? I just can't believe the politician wasn't honest. Mm -hmm. I just can't believe. And he says, we're going to be, are we going? going to be in a perpetual state of shock at the nature of man (laughs) and then he goes on with this list war is not exceptional peace is worry is not exceptional trust is decay is not uh restoration and uh, you know rest decay is not exceptional restoration is anger is not exceptional gratitude is selfishness Mm. is not exceptional sacrifices defensiveness is not acceptable love is judgmentalism is not and then he ends with um grace grace Mm. but i mean i just think it's just 
he says the world is broken, but God's, you know, God is redeeming it. It's redemptive, you know. But, but we don't need to be surprised by that. No. Just be in, in, and give space for that. And it's like, we're so offended by things that don't match up to what we're doing instead of having space and, and having conversations and being, cause uh, I think in one of those things he was, he was telling a story. I, I can't remember what it was about, but someone was the complete opposite. I can't remember. And he's like, you know, that's fascinating. Let's have a conversation about it. And instead of being like, I'm oh, like I'm trying good. to, trying to prove your point by, and he's, I like that you talked about that too. Cause he said, he's an argument guy. He said he loved he from a young age, even as a kindergartner arguing with his teachers, professors, he said he was the guy and that would he raise his hand. He was good He'd at always it. raise his hand. And he's the guy everyone else is like, oh, please don't raise your hand. He's like, and I didn't want to raise my hand either. But there's a part of me, I couldn't help that. <laughs> he had to argue his point and everything. And I like that he said, you know, when you're arguing about the spiritual side of things, he, he could be all right. He could be completely right. But you still don't win. What do you win? Nothing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you won the argument. Well, did you change anybody's life? No. Like there, you know, and I thought that was such a good point that, that arguing and debating that changes nothing, literally changes nothing. And what changes people's lives is love. And like what he did going over to that guy's house, um, that, that was really difficult for him and, and running towards grief instead of away from it. And that's love. And that's what changes people. So I think people see if you're sincere because he went to Africa and it was to relieve, to help with relief. And he said, I wanted a hotel, but we slept on the ground with everybody else. There were dead bodies everywhere. And the man didn't like him. The leader of that group of threatened to kill them, threatened to kill him. And then at the end, he wanted them to take his children with him. And he said, how do you go from threatening to kill us to wanting us to take the remainder of his children that were still alive back to the United States. But, and he said, most people, uh, that guy through a translator said, most people throw out a box of some of food, I guess, take a picture mm-hmm. and With then the village go on. people. Yeah. And then I said, so that's what you're seeing on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So, and so, so because of those kind of people, uh, his team wasn't very well accepted, but they slept where they slept. And he said it was like a thousand degrees. <laughs> you know, he, he exaggerates and it was really, uh, yeah, no, no bathroom, no running water. Yeah. That was a good story. Like, and he was, and he said, I didn't sign up for this. Like he didn't, he said, I just got to went along. I didn't know, you know, what was going down and all of this. He, has, he, he said, I have two children to raise at home. Someone in machete threatens to slip my throat. <laughs> no, yeah. It's it, funny. You, like, he made a good point, too, that um, a lot of times we, we are taught, oh, we kind of need to be angry at injustice. So, you know, we should be angry. But he made the point that, that anger is, you don't have to be angry to do something. And a lot of times people that are angry are the ones that aren't doing anything. The ones that are talking about their cause the loudest aren't. And he said that was, he had a statistics and stuff in there that was, they, you know, the people that are the loudest on Facebook aren't, aren't the ones that aren't helping. They're not really, they're just using that to make themselves look better. Well, there was a, going back to Barney Fife on Andy Griffith, there was a episode where he comes in there and he slams the door and he's all mad. 
And he said, you know what? You can't believe what the post office did. They have a machine in there to sell stamps. That's not right. A government agency. And he said, uh, did you tell him? Uh, did, and he said he wrote a letter and everything. And Andy said, did you mail it? He said, no, because I'm not going to buy a stamp for that machine. <laughs> so he, he's all mad, but he's not going to do anything. Exactly. That's a great connection. I, I don't remember that, that episode. That's a great connection. But in here somewhere, he in on ver, on on verse on page one sixty seven, he says, "But rules don't change anyone's heart," mm. and I think that's we need to know that because he told about Tony Campolo's story, which I'd heard that in Jonathan Stormont's sermon about um, he came in and he, the time change was he was in Hawaii and he he really couldn't go to sleep, so he goes to this diner and. Uh, he says all these prostitutes come in. It's like three in the morning and they're talking about Agnes and it's going to be her birthday tomorrow. Are you going to celebrate? And she says, I've never had a birthday party in my life. Why would I start now? And then they leave. And then Tony gets this idea to why don't we throw her a party to, and the man's wife is in the back cooking. And then so uh, the cook. And so they all kind of plan and Tony said, I'll get the decorations. And then the guy said he'd get the cake. And so the next day she shows up and they, they all sing happy birthday to act. And she just breaks down and starts crying. Mm. I mean, because see, in another part, he says how we need to always be aware of how little we know of people. Mm. That's right. And, and, and he, thinking, earlier whoa. he talked about the opportunity just because like, we feel morally superior because we haven't had this life of some people have had but that's just because we we may not have had the opportunity to have that life mm -hmm. you know for whatever reason whatever situation it may be you may just you feel superior but you have not been tempted in that way or been put up you know what i'm saying so and i thought that you know her life was changed just by a kind act. And then you had told me the story about the football game. And that was the football thing was hilarious, but yet so uh, powerful. Oh, Wait, beautiful. You tell that one? It was adorable. Beautiful. Yes. I loved how he told that too, that his, his son was playing flag football and they didn't have any coaches for his son's team. And he tried not to be the coach. And he said, at one point there was a little boy he was throwing the football with, and he was like, are you going to be our coach? And he said, no. He said, well, can I at least call you coach? I've always wanted to call someone <laughs> coach. So um, he ends up being the coach, and they lose pretty much all their games. They're at the last game of the season. Uh, not pretty much. All their games, I think they lost. Yeah, and, they, it was 0-11, to 11 and the other team was 11-0. to zero. <laughs> that and they was hadn't scored record. at all the whole yeah. season. But no scores the entire season. Last game, they said one kid – uh, gets the kickoff, runs it for a touchdown. He said, "Oh, this is gonna be like one of those uh, the, one of those true those Christian movies, or you know, the, the comeback story, the comeback stories, and and all that." And uh, and he said, "Well, so it was uh, it ended up being like seventy-seven to six or something, the score like that." And uh, so even though they scored once, they still got beat to a pulp. And, and the kids were, were deflated. They were deflated, and they were thinking, you know, we're losers. We ended this. We've lost every single game. The season, and then one of the moms had uh, had done this after party for them, after season party. But they had hired; she had hired a limo, and it had they were Rams, um, and it had all these Rams flags. And it pulled the limo pulls onto the field, 
this long white limo, stretch, a stretch limo, a stretch yeah. white limo pulls onto the field and picks up the kids. And they're like, this is, and they're just shocked that this is for them. And they, and then of course they quickly forget about being losers and they're super excited to get in. And he said, the look on the other team's faces was worth the, the, the losses that they had endured. Cause it's just like, what, you know, cause they, the other team were the winners but these guys are being celebrated. Like, and he said, what a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. Like, you know, we're, we're sinners. We don't deserve this. We haven't done anything. We can't do anything. And yet God sends a limo and, and throws a party for us, you know, and is celebrating. That's what grace looks like. That's grace. And I'm like, how beautiful of a picture that was. I love, I love that he told that. Great. He has a lot of great analogies. Another good analogy. uh, I love that one for, uh, because I'm thinking, you know how he connects it with something tangible, you know, another one was this really sad story of someone who's had had the death of a child at the hands of a family member on a holiday. And that father took down an embroidered picture and says, and showed them the back of it. And it said, life is like this. It just looks like chaos because we don't know the big picture. And then he turns it around and he shows the picture and he said, but God does. And someday Mm. we will. And I was just like, wow, that's such a good analogy. And, you know, Mm. God shows us that in the Jesus tells the parable of the workers, you know, and the workers who work all day and the workers who work just an hour and they all get the pay. They all get the same pay. And I'm thinking, so right there, is that not the perfect parable for being unoffendable because God could have and I always wondered why he didn't why didn't he pay the ones uh who only worked an hour last why didn't he go down the line you know but no he paid them first and it's like in your face to those people who worked all day Mm -hmm. but I'm saying he could have paid the ones who but you know heaven is there for all of us I don't care if you get you if you become a Christian right before you die at the age of 105 or if you were one when you were eight years old see there's no difference in god's eyes and i think people we want to say well that's not fair like you said well life's not fair you need to get over yourself well and the kingdom of god is not fair and that's that's we should celebrate that yeah because it was fair we wouldn't be there exactly but yeah. it's funny that it's, it's hard to see that until, you know, but it's a good thing. It's not fair. I like he, he had a quote, too. Um, we hold on to worry because we don't trust God. We hold on to anger because we don't trust God. We feel threatened because we're insecure and we're insecure because surprise, we don't we trust don't God. <laughs> so I'm like, I thought that was I, I hadn't made that connection with anger Um I, I, you know, worry, it's easier to make that. But with anger, I'm like, I never thought of anger as mistrust. You're mistrusting God, but that makes mm-hmm. sense. You are. Yeah. There, there's just a, I, I mean, and, and he told the story about he put uh, gas in a diesel motor and tore up the car and everything. And then he hurt his back riding the bike to work and then on and on. And then for some reason, Volkswagen, Volkswagen people just, they fixed a $7,000 uh, mistake and charged him nothing and he said he didn't like it he said I, I, I felt like I needed to pay for it 
you know, and he, he's like, I hadn't been paying the price. And then he said, you know what? It's not about me. We're fretting mm-hmm. ourselves. You know, uh, some people, it is hard for them to accept a gift. And I have a friend, Lynn Crane. Uh, she always said, don't, don't uh, deprive me of joy. Mm-hmm. If I'm trying to give you something. And I think God may say that about us. This is yeah. joy. And we're, we're trying to say, no, I'll do it myself. That's how, what you used to say when you were little. I do it myself. But <laughs> which was good if you're going to the bathroom and stuff. That's good. <laughs> you know, but I'm thinking, I, I think we have a problem with being humble enough. You know, that comes mm. back to humility. For and sure. If you can't accept it, then uh, this was my quote from uh, C.S. Lewis has a quote that's not in the book, but it made me think of it. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Mm. Isn't that powerful? That's great. That's a great definition. I, That's I a great want, definition. You know, and, and he said, pride always hurts. And he talks about how, you know, the truth is, he said, we can't redeem ourselves. And we can't. We have to listen to God because God's the creator and we have to listen to him, which if we lose that connection with him, it's kind of like the story you told last week with um, the dog story, which was from this book. Yes. Uh, Snowball and Gypsy. The, the Gypsy dog he didn't listen and, and lost that connection with God because God gives us choice. Mm-hmm. And but and, and we, you have to make it a choice. And you, that means. You do have to get over yourself. You do. And another one on page 172, it talked about a guy that was talking about uh, more and more. This is a quote from another book. This guy's well-read. He has quotes from books, which I love that, you know. But it it connected with screw tape letters because in there, um, screw tape is saying um, that we... He said, we have sinned, but God has pleasure. And what we've done to make, we try to distort that sin. We try to distort pleasure by sin. But he's saying, don't let the man have simple pleasures. And in here it says, more and more, the desire grows in me simply to walk around, greet people, enter their homes, sit on their doorsteps, play ball, throw water, and be known as someone who wants to live with them. It is a privilege to have the time to practice this simple ministry of presence. Mm. And then he tells about, well, but he gets busy and he goes to meetings and and workshops and stuff like that, which prevents him from knowing people by name. And I'm thinking uh, in the screw tape letters, it says, don't let the man have a walk in the country. Don't let him have a, a simple cup of tea and like that, because these simple pleasures were all come. They all come from God the creator mm. and sin is a distortion of the but sex comes from god but what is sinful mm. sensual is a distortion of that from satan you know from the, it's just it, i mean it, it's pretty poignant that how they connected the, both of these books i'm like oh my goodness you know? well he mentions he's a fan of c.s lewis and and diedrich bonhoeffer and like oh he, but yes. yeah he's he's very well read and I like that he takes one of the uh, the other themes that stuck out is uh, he he's when he's talking about our culture and um, kind of real, the 
the culture of Christianity in, in America right now is kind of, it's like, oh yeah, like take a stance, be offended by sin, um, talk about it, post about it. It's like, make your, uh, you know, draw your line in the sand type of mentality. And he's saying, don't condemn the culture, redeem it. Mm-hmm. So it's Powerful. like to- totally different. Instead of, again, being surprised about the the world and where it's at, love it. Like love yeah. the people, you know, like embrace the people and create space for them and, and listen to them and, and serve them. And, and that's what redeems the culture, not, not debating and not condemning. Yes. And, and that's what Jesus did. Yeah. He, what did Jesus do? Go back to Jesus every time with the adulterer. I mean, he totally could have condemned her. She was caught in the act, you know, totally. And, but he doesn't condemn. And so, and like, why should we condemn? And I love that he, t- he talks about that multiple times too in the book about the freedom that comes when you're not trying to measure other people's spiritual temperature and you're not trying to measure your own spiritual temperature. So I was like, that's really interesting because I think we unknowingly do that. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay. And he says a lot of people will say, have asked him because he is a, um, he's on radio. the radio, a Christian radio station. He says a lot of people say, oh, well, do you know someone? Is he a Christian? And like, is he a good Christian? And da da da. And he's like, I don't know. And even if I knew him and lived next to him and hung out with him all the time, I still wouldn't know. You know, like. Yeah. And he said, "There's a lot of freedom, and he, that's not my job." And so I was like, "That's." And I think we unknowingly do that. And well, he has another quote in here: "Real humility live lies in self forgetfulness." Yes. And then he ties that with his grandma. She said, he said, she's not trying to uh, impress anybody. Really, the only one we should be striving to um, please is God. And he even talks in here about the danger of a mother putting her kid above. And I read that in a C.S. Lewis book, and he quotes that. But I think we read that book together. Do you we remember did. it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mere Christianity. And, um, Oh, I thought it was. Oh, no, the, it wasn't. It was the other one. Yeah. Uh, what was that one? Something about heaven or. Was it I the great remember. divorce? Yeah, that's it. The great okay. divorce. Okay. And where yeah. this mother, because he said, it seems like a righteous uh, love, a mother loving her son, but not when that precedes God's love. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to be, have that connection to keep everything in check, I think, because if, if, uh, and that lady, she was. It's, it kind of distorts it when we lose, you know, it, the, and it, ultimately what he says, the children are a gift from God. God, God doesn't want you to worship the gift. hundred percent. Yes. I and love I think, that he said that. Yes. And speaking of gifts, I love the part where he says we need to be like little children to accept a gift because we don't, but he says, God wants us to accept gifts. It takes humility to do it, which is why kids are so much better than we are at this. No kid balks at a gift. No eight-year opens a PlayStation on Christmas morning and says, no, I just can't. I don't deserve this. I'm unworthy. <laughs> Take it back. That's what true. I and know. I mean, yeah, it's, I've, I've seen that with, with my kids too. And just being, it definitely has brought an awareness of like, as an adult, it's, it's hard to receive gifts. It really, because it's like, but that's prideful. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, we just what it's saying. It's we're like, oh, I don't deserve this or, but again, we were thinking of ourselves, 
So, and, and that whole thing about earning it, you know, we want to earn it and all that. And, and I, you know, I think there's a certain, you know, obviously it's good to work hard and we're not discrediting that at all, you know, Mm -hmm. but as far as being humble and receiving gifts, like you have to have that to, to walk with God. And, and I do think in our society that we're, humility is not really taught that well because it, that everyone hooks that with humiliation. And so it's, it's just like, uh, well, we're not going to do that, you know, and then mm-hmm. uh, be proud, be proud and all that kind of, you know, rigmarole where you think, and that's how you're offended. You're offended because someone didn't notice that you did something. Let's say at work, you filled the copy machine with paper nobody noticed you got you know a lot of things uh, are because someone wasn't bragged on or the whole thing about benedict arnold was he lacked humility because he didn't get the uh pats on the back that he thought he deserved when he worked you know when he worked hard and he won a military battle and he was wounded which you know we applaud his service you know but but so he turns that in inwardly and it becomes bitter and he eventually is a traitor Mm. and that's what he's known for but the whole thing was he was offended and you know he talks brant talks about that i think one of the things he said in there was the why we do something is it, it is and what did he call it kind of eternal but he didn't use the word eternal and but basically the why that we do something is very important. And so for, for that situation, Benedict Arnold, the why he was fighting was for glory. It wasn't oh, really. Yes, for the, that's true. Good, good point. Good for point. the betterment, you know, like, because if it was, if it was for his, the, the right reason, he would have been okay with not having any accolades. Mm-hmm. Good point. And then you pointed out the book that he had read zebras don't get ulcers. Why zebras don't get ulcers is because People are in stress response all the time and animals are just in there for a minute and either they escape the danger or their dinner, yes. one, one or the other, but we're just totally in that all the time. And, and so that guy who wrote that book's an atheist, but he said, but we can learn from him. Mm-hmm. We can learn from his research and we can do that. And you know what that takes? Humility. hundred percent. That's a good yeah. point. That's a, that's a really good point. To learn from someone whose beliefs differ from your own takes humility. And I like in what he said, though, the guy was kind of quoting the Bible. Yeah. About, like not worrying about, uh, you know, today, what tomorrow may bring. And so he was like, I, wait, I think I've heard that before. Yeah, where have I heard that before? So, and what was the part that you said? Um, now I've forgotten it. But something about the thing you hear first you what was that about what you hear first is the side you will take oh if there's two opposing sides the side you hear first is the one you believe right Mm -hmm. is that what he said and then he said you know when it's between me and someone else well i heard my side first yeah that's a good point i mean and and it makes sense because we we do that too if you have two friends and you hear from one friend first you side with them you're like yeah but you haven't heard the other friend's side so. And and, he, and another thing about being unoffendable, I think, which it, it, I do think it's kind of a mindset. That's why I really think Caroline Leaf, Dr. Leaf would love it, 
because he said if you go into a meeting or you're spending time with someone who usually is kind of going to offend you he said if you decide ahead of time not Mm. to be offended it works yes that was i like that and you always say god can't steer a parked car so i mean i think if you have and i i don't think he can if you have a closed mind he's not going to help you but if you prayed that prayer then he will pray he will answer that prayer help me Mm. not to be offended but if you just go whoo you know, I'm offended, you know, that offends me. Yeah. It was, there is something funny that happened at school because we, we meet and we talk about this book and uh, Jana postponed it last week or something. And then somebody said, well, I'm offended by you. postponing." Yeah. It. So, I mean, if you do a book club with this book, it, it, there's a lot of humor there. A lot of, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, but I, I mean, I've even, even as on a parent level, um, and this was, um, this week, you know, I'm in the middle of this book and everything. And, and one of my children was having a rough, they'd had a rough day and, and they were being offensive. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I, I told my husband, I think I told you too. I was like, it's a good thing I'm reading this book <laughs> because <laughs> it helped me practice that. And, and I feel like the, our day and the evening went a lot better than it would have had I been my old self and been offended by that and been rightly justified in being offended because he Mm -hmm. was being a bear and was saying mean things and not being grateful, you know? So, and I like that he says, it's not like we're, we're, we're not ignoring that, you know, it's not like we're, we're, we're not saying there's not sin or anything like that. It's like, we're, no, we're recognizing it. You're taking the high road. And then at the end of the day, you're going to be thankful you did when you find out what happened. You know, maybe the lady that cut you off in traffic found out that her mother's dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. Maybe the man, I mean, give grace where you don't know. Like at the end of the day, you found out that he'd had a, you found out the whole story. And then you could say, man, I'm glad that I wasn't offended. Yes. He's- you, you didn't add to his trouble. For sure. You were his soft place to fall. And that's another thing too. Like that. I like that he pointed out that anger has value. And since it does have value, giving it up requires a sacrifice. And so I'm like, Oh, because we get something out of being angry. You know, we get, Mm -hmm. we, we get that feeling of moral superiority. We get feeling like we've been justified. Oh, we get, it does have value. And so I like that he, he made that point that, to give it up requires sacrifice and so but that's what's required of us that's what jesus did you know and that's the best way to live that's the most freeing and and he talks about that too how his life has been so much better when he's taken this approach and let things go and not held on to anger and stuff and i had one i had the anger and gratitude cannot coexist Mm. And then also anger and action, anger and action are not synonymous. They're not synonyms or synonymous because usually you're either angry or, you know, you're going to give your angry, your act, your energy to be an angry or to acting because Jesus didn't, you know, he didn't talk back to people that were spitting on him. He didn't, he could have called down 10,000 angels, but he didn't. He loved his enemies. Yeah. He loved the people that killed him. Which is, you know, wow. You know, you've got to say. I wanted to say something going back. I, I forgot it. And, but when you were talking about um, the, uh, about him in the, the Volkswagen, which I'm like, 
hey, that kind of made me want to look into getting a Volkswagen. <laughs> I was like, you know, that's that's pretty good company right there. But when he was talking about that, that even when when his debt was paid, basically, they took care of everything and he didn't have to do he he wasn't required to redeem the situation that something fell off in him. You know, he's just like, and mm-hmm. he says, uh, the truth is we find this very, very hard to accept, but we can't redeem ourselves. And I like the analogy he put with that too. He said, it's almost like um, that you've caused all these problems in a game, like some type of football game or whatever game you're in. And then, but then you get put out. I think it was baseball he was talking about. But then you're you're sitting on the bench and some other guy comes and wins the game. You know, and it's like mm-hmm. in the locker room, you know, everyone's celebrating, but you kind of are like you didn't help them win at all, you know? So, but that's but that's when we're focusing on ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, I, I thought that was a really good analogy of someone sitting in the locker room that had just made mistakes and didn't help win the game at all. And how difficult that is to celebrate, you know? So, and that goes with that movie Kirk Cameron uh, was in, Mercy Rule, which he, there's a coach in there, and that's what he tells the boy, that he, the, the boy wants to pitch, and that's all he wants to do is pitch, and he's stuck on that. But his best friend is a lot better pitcher than him, and he said, you should care about the team, hmm. not yourself. And until you do, you're not going to get it. And uh, so that, that's kind of how, you know, you should, we should want to make everybody else look good. Yes. Not ourselves. And that's what that coach told him. And I said, that is a powerful message. All kids need to hear, hear that. You know, I'm like, it's not really about winning the game. It is how you play it. Yes. And it's that dying to self, which Mm -hmm. we hear, we hear the sermons on that, but the application is arduous and Mm -hmm. it, and it takes like a daily reminder too. And like you said, that's that mindset thing, but being aware helps too. Because you can kind of say, like, and I feel like, I feel like this was huge because he basically gives us anger as a red flag almost. Like, I feel like, um, or this book, what he, what he describes. So the next time, just like when I was talking about uh, my child who was saying these mean things, my first response was anger. That's, I immediately felt angry. Like, ah, oh, I felt offended. But before I said anything, and then because I'm in the middle of the book, I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm offended. Okay. So this is my opportunity to practice not being offended. And so kudos but really, to you. Kudos. We can, we can, well, and I've definitely, <laughs> it's a new, it's a new practice for me. I'm still learning, but, but it was, it was kind of fun, wasn't it? It was fun. But I'm saying now, I think I can see where next time I'm angry, hopefully I will see it as a red flag. Like it's like, oh, I'm angry. And then it's like, oh, wait, anger yeah, I need to get rid of that. And like, you know, so I I think it can, it can be a good thing, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's a natural human emotion. But when you, when you flip it, it can, it can be your reminder to practice being unoffendable. Yeah. Well, like he says, uh, nobody, no other vice do we call it righteous because people you've heard righteous anger he said have you ever heard of righteous gluttony yeah and i died laughing yeah Yeah. because he said well gluttony provides jobs for people Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff and he said yeah let's call it righteous gluttony and when he when you spin it that way you're like oh yeah that that kind of makes sense 
But overall, you, you know, he, he hits it on the head when he goes back to 1 Corinthians 13. It really doesn't matter what you've done, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, but have not love. It profits me nothing. So, I mean, you could be angry and still do the right thing, but you don't have love. So you still mm. need to have the love. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I think this comes in. And he says in here somewhere, I can't remember where, but uh, and I put it oh, page 199 because I thought um, your MMA guy would love page 199. And it says, I have to die to myself. What I'm finding is doesn't it what I'm finding is it doesn't happen all at once and it's simultaneously simple to understand and arduous to actually do but little by little I think I'm seeing what God is up to and I thought of uh, Master Paulin's inch by inch it is a sense sense. yard Uh, by yard it's kind of hard yes a hundred percent because it little by little, see, you said this this time you were reading this book. But now that you've read this book and you've done it one time, you've practiced it, then it'll get more uh, where it's kind of like uh, your default. We want it to be our default, oh, not yes. to be unoffendable. Yes. Yes. We want that to be the habit. The habits we make are the habits we get. <laughs> So there we go. Yeah. And I loved at the end. Well, is it at yeah the end when he talks about it, a day of they were just they lived in Houston and they were just doing these errands and it was crazy. They'd pull up at a grocery store or something. The mom would rush in and get it and the girl and the kids were in the back buckled in and then they had to drop off stuff at people's house and all this kind of stuff. And then he says his his child wasn't the least bit offended uh, at all and she didn't even know where they were going. And, uh, but she, but she just was there and endured it all. And he said, she knew who was driving and I, and, um, and she, and she knew, knew who the, was driving, loved her. And I said, and we know who's driving, God's driving. Mm-hmm. And we know that he loves us. The road may be bumpy and it's uncertain, but we know the driver and mm-hmm. he's where the joy is. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. It, sorry, that slipped out terribly, yeah. Cobble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's perfect. Yes, that is so true. And we, and that's and that's what trust looks like. And it and it is it easy? No. It's not easy, but is it worthwhile? Yes, it is. But yes, if you uh want a challenging read that will rock your world, go get a copy of Unoffendable by Brant Hansen and you will not be disappointed. It it's it, I think again I think everyone this is a must read. I feel like it's it's top even, of my list. You even said it would be good to uh, read it every year. Yes. This this is definitely a, a keep reading to keep in to keep in your the front of mind. Front of mind. <laughs> yeah. Choose choose to be unoffendable we're not going to be offended if you don't get get a copy but it will be your loss (laughs) (laughs) and that's a wrap on unoffendable thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one keep on reading